The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. As always, I'm George Klein, and this week I talked to Alex Zimblist about the NBA playoffs, round two, a lot of intriguing matchups, it's been fun to watch, and we also got a little bit into some of the MLB storylines just at the very end, mostly NBA, so hope you enjoy, and thanks for listening. Okay, so we are back, I'm here with Alex Zimblist, and it's early May, it's the first week of May, NBA playoffs are in full swing right now. Got a bunch of really interesting series is happening in in the second round. So let's just get into it. We'll just go round by round at first and sort of give our thoughts on it. We're recording this late in the week. All of the series now at this point have gone through two games. We don't, none of them have reached three games yet. So that's sort of where we're standing at this point while we're recording. Let's start out with the Rockets and the Warriors. And this was really the most highly anticipated series. It seems like Golden State's really kind of come up and taking control of this. For me, I think that they kind of just come out here in the rest of the series and pretty handily take this. Bovada Sportsbook has the line for game three at Houston Rockets minus three and a half. So they're looking like they expected to get tight. I think the Rockets can win game three, but if you had to guess, if I had to give an answer right now, I would say Warriors in five just from what we've seen so far. What about you? Yeah, I'd also say Warriors. Um, in five, I think Houston takes one at home, but the Warriors aren't messing around. It, you know, I think the Clippers were a wake-up call that it is the playoffs, and you know, all these teams are out there to get them. And, and the other thing I'll say about the series so far is, I mean, and maybe we'll get into you know Harden and the foul calls and the eye and all that. Like, yeah, there are other factors that have affected the series if you want to talk about those, whatever. But when it comes down to it, uh, you know, Durant's been good, Draymond's been good, Clay hasn't really found anything. Curry hasn't been his usual self. Nonetheless, the Warriors have won the two the the first two games and I really only think that they're going to get better. So, you know, that's that's bad news for for the Rockets and um especially the, you know, morale when you go down 2-0 to one of the greatest teams of all time. It's got to be tough to, you know, really get yourselves to to truly believe that a comeback is possible. So, yeah, Warriors are going to shut the door on this one pretty quickly. Over the course of this run, it's something that's been said with this team, but if Green and Iguodala are playing well, they're basically unstoppable at that point because there's nowhere that you can turn to. If all of those guys are like hitting shots, I mean, you don't expect Green to hit that many shots at this point, but if he's making the smart pass, getting to the rim, just controlling some of the offensive plays, then at that point it's just kind of over because... I mean, the thing with the Warriors is you have to let someone shoot the ball. So if you're giving up the shots to Iguodala and he's shooting at a very high percentage like he is right now, then there's just no hope. And I think one thing that has gone underrated so far in the course of this is that, I mean, we've talked, you mentioned it, just the ref calls were pretty much the story of game one and after that about all of the landing zone, what's contact, what's not contact, what is this? So... But one thing that's gone sort of under the radar at this point is Golden State's defense, and they've been playing really, really well. And if you look sort of at, at their plays, like they're just playing very smart, 
incredible rotations, incredible scrambling. Curry's been really smart. They've been able to avoid a lot of the switches that you used to expect where you get hardened on Curry and then they can take advantage of it. They've done a lot of like pre-switching, which has worked out really well. So that's something for me to watch out for as we head later into this series. But I don't think it's going to go that far. I think also, I just think that at the end of the day, the Rockets offense, just the way that it's built, when you're facing a really strong group like Golden State, it would work against anyone else in the league. But it's just too inconsistent, I think, for to be a team like the Warriors at this point. Because when you're relying on step-back threes and tough dribble drives, I mean, if you're giving up dunks and like open threes, and Durant can just rise up at any point and take a like mid-range turnaround shot that seems to always go in, then the step-back three just isn't going to do it at that point. So they've done a good job. They've been in both of the two games. They've been hitting threes. I mean, especially last game, they hit threes at a great rate. But too many turnovers, too much swarming defense by the Warriors. I'm going to say Warriors in five. Any last thoughts sort of on where we're at? No, and what you said about Harden and relying on the setback three is spot on. And that's why I do give the Rockets one game is I think if Harden gets really hot and, you know, drops 50-whatever points, then, yeah, sure, the Rockets can win a game. It just He's not going to do that four times in a seven-game series against uh, an elite defense. So, yeah, he can he can carry them to, to one victory, I think. Um, but it's just not going to happen consistently. Okay, and then we've got Celtics against Milwaukee, and it was a tale of two games. The first game, Celtics came out to shut down Giannis. Al Horford did a great job on him, had a couple of major highlight plays. There was a lot of talk sort of about the wall that the Celtics were able to form, where they basically just extended their arms and they got down low and just clogged up those lanes that Giannis likes to go into and just get his way into the paint. So game one was a tremendous victory for the Celtics. But then, I mean, they've been hot and cold all year. And in game two, we saw them go cold, had a long stretch in the third quarter where they just couldn't do anything well. And Milwaukee just ran away with it, just ran them off off the floor. So I've gone back and forth on this. I mean, I think we both originally picked Milwaukee to go to the finals. I'm kind of edging off of that right now. We'll get into that later. I think for now, I'm going to say Milwaukee in seven. I think at the end of the day, home court matters. For game three, the Celtics, Bovada has them at minus two. I expect Milwaukee to be able to win one game in Boston. You head back 2-2. It's the best two out of three. I think these two teams are pretty even. I just think from what we've seen so far, I'm just going to go even teams, home court. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think the Bucks are a little better than the Celtics. Um, they had a better regular season, obviously. Not that regular season um, record necessarily makes you a better team. Um but I, I do think they're slightly stronger. The thing is, Giannis doesn't have a lot of playoff experience. It seems like when teams are able to really focus on him and playing defense on him, you can't stop him, but you can definitely slow him down a little bit. We'll see if, you know, Horford's defense can continue to, to really, you know, slow down Giannis's offense. Uh, but, but one thing that the Celtics have showed me this playoffs is that they, they are the team that we saw in the playoffs last year. Uh, Jalen and Tatum have, you know, maybe not been great every game, but have definitely stepped up, um, getting great performances from Horford. Kyrie's the superstar we wanted him to be. And just because the Celtics have a little more experience, they have guys like Kyrie who have shown that they can hit the big shots and the big moments, um, that they can make a deep run into the playoffs with this basic core squad, to me, is just going to, you know, slightly 
edge them edge them past the Bucks. So I'm going to take the Celtics in seven, actually. And I will add what George said is true that I originally took um, before the playoffs started had the Bucks going to the finals. But I like what I'm seeing out of the Celtics. The talent's there. They've got some veteran guys. They've got some young and hungry guys. They've got a chip on their shoulder from last year. I think they're taking down the Bucks in seven. I have two last thoughts on this. One, it's something that I think I mentioned to you at one point when we were just on our own, not while we were being recorded. But there's been a lot of talk, you know, about MVPs. And I agree that, you know, it came down to Giannis and Harden. It seems like Giannis had that edge. But I think if you're talking about best player in the game, I think that a game like game one kind of shows you that Giannis isn't quite there yet. He's like so close, but he's not quite there because he just doesn't reach that level where day in and day out in the playoffs, you know that he'll be unstoppable. Someone, I mean, like LeBron just reached a level that's almost unparalleled in NBA history, but not even just that, but sort of like at a Durant Curry level where there's that moment where you think this guy is unstoppable and Giannis still doesn't quite feel like that. It feels like with a smart defensive game plan and bottling him up in the paint that he's able to be limited a little too much. And as a second point, and then I'll throw it back to you. I think this eventually comes down to, I think this eventually comes down to Hayward. I think when he's going well, that really bolsters the Celtics rotation. And that's, and that second unit just has an enormous advantage. It is able to overwhelm other teams, players, role players, but when he's not going well, it throws everything off. They look a little slow. So he had, He's been up and down. It was great game one, bad game two. So those are my thoughts kind of as two important things to look at. Yeah, I agree with all that. And kind of just back to what you were saying about Giannis and, you know, how maybe a good defensive game plan can slow him down. It's it's partly that he's young and, you know, teams aren't going to throw, you know, these elaborate game plans at him in the regular season. Um, and, And a guy like LeBron and Stephen KD, they obviously took time to get to, you know, where they are now. Um, but part of it is, and Harden's in this category too, is they've seen every type of defense you can throw at them. You know, teams have tried a zillion methods to guard Harden. Teams have tried a zillion methods to, to slow down LeBron James. And, you know, maybe those worked briefly, but ultimately there's, as we know, no one strategy of defense that can really stop those elite players. Um, and the thing about Giannis is he might not have seen every possible defensive alignment that you can throw at him. Um, and, you know, he'll learn. And I, I think that he will get to the point, George, that you were saying Steph, KD, LeBron are at. But, you know, I think when teams maybe guard him a little differently, throw a different game plan at him, he doesn't yet know how to adjust. OK, so we've got one more Eastern Conference series. Really close, really intriguing. Raptors Sixers, it's 1-1 right now. Bovada has game three, which is happening tonight, so you'll know the outcome, but Raptors minus two. So even though that's in Philly, which is interesting, I think for me, I do look at the Raptors as the better team. Comes to me not quite sure how many games that they'll end up in. I'm feeling sort of a six-ish right now, so I'll say Raptors in six. I think the Sixers proved that last game that they can still hang with, with the Raptors. There was a lot of doubt after that game one performance where Siakam and Leonard just basically took over and they had no response, but they mixed up some of the matchups who was guarding who seemed to work a little better. But I will say that the Raptors missed a lot of open shots, a lot of open threes that you don't expect them to miss again. And I just think that the Sixers, I've been saying it all year, they're just not quite there for the talent that you think is on the floor. And the Raptors just with their two-way players, Marcus Saul. He's someone who can do a reasonably good job at Embiid, who is 
battling through injuries, sickness. We don't really know where he's at right now. So I think with that in mind, the Raptors are just a better composed, a better functioning team. So with that said, the Sixers still have a lot of talent. They showed in game two that they can get it done. But a mix of like that disparity between what they should be and what they are and those still sort of recurring fourth fourth quarter struggles, they let the Raptors back into that game too. They almost can't stop themselves. So I'm going to say Raptors in six, I think. I think um, what you touched on with Embiid is key. The series is over if Embiid isn't his normal self. It's over. He's got to do way better than he did in the first two games. And, yeah, I'm sure it's partly that he's injured and, you know, not fully in the groove of things. And that's fine, you know, like, I'm not I'm not blaming the guy. But, you know, if you're the 76ers, I just don't think you're going anywhere um, unless, unless you have your big man at 100%. The other thing I'll say is of all the... There hasn't been any huge surprises for me so far in the playoffs. We know Kawhi Leonard is one of the elite players in the game, but he's been even better than I expected. He's really stepped it up that extra level, is playing great defense, is, you know, elite scoring, really doing everything for the team, being that that veteran that they can really build around. Siakam stepping up as the number two scorer on the team. So, you know, Lowry can still do his thing, still be a very strong point guard, get his own, you know, 15 a game or whatever, distribute, but not being relied on to really be a volume shooter because that's not where he's best. And they're deep, which is always what people have said about Toronto for the last several years. They have a deep bench. I really like how this team looks. I'm also going to take Raptors in six. Maybe you were planning on going here uh, later, George, but I got the Raptors coming out of the East now. Me too. If you ask me again. I just think they look like the best team, the most likely team to give the Warriors a challenge in the finals, and really like what I'm seeing out of them. Yeah, I think that Raptors-Warriors would be an interesting matchup. I think not to say that the Warriors aren't going to win, because I think that no matter who you put them up against, they're going to have like a distinct advantage, and it'll take something unexpected, like injury struggles or something kind of wacky to happen, at least in my belief, for, for them not to win. But... The Raptors with Leonard and Siakam, like you've mentioned, just two long guys who can take up a lot of space, just dominate wing play, two ends. I think that that's something that those are two guys who can reasonably defend KD, which yeah. is something you don't get much of. So that's one interesting thing. And then add in just like the Marcus Gasol, which is an advantage for them at center. Lowry is a very stout defender. He can maybe body up Curry, force him to work a little bit. So I think that there's some very interesting matchups to watch out there. Yeah, I mean, Kawhi on, Kawhi on Durant's huge. We've seen what Durant does in the finals the last couple of years. Um, that guy, when when he puts his mind to it, can just score on will. It's really just ridiculous to watch. But, you know, it, if if nobody slows him down, the championship's already over. Um, and, and Kawhi could be the guy to slow him down. So Okay, so we've got one last series left. It's sort of the forgotten series. It's Trailblazers, Nuggets. The Nuggets were really uninspiring in their first round series. They were taken to seven by the Spurs and really were hot and cold. And we've seen some of that again in through the first two games of this series. It's 1-1 right now. Bovada has the Trailblazers favored minus four for their next game, which is tomorrow night. Um, so for me, I can go either way on this because both of these teams, they either seem like they're very on their game or they're not on their game. So it's sort of like the big guys of the Nuggets against like the guards of the Trailblazers. I mean, we know about Jokic, we know about Lillard, but especially the stark difference in playing styles was 
apparent, I think, last game where the Nuggets just got offensive rebound after offensive rebound. It was just a ridiculous number. At one point in the fourth quarter, they were out-rebounding the Trailblazers, something absurd, like 20-2, to which you just never see. But they just couldn't make shots. And if there's one thing that the Trailblazers can do, it's make shots. So little out out of the box here. I can't, well, maybe not, but I like where the Trailblazers are. They're 1-1. The Nuggets have have some injury issues right now. A lot of their guys are kind of banged up. They haven't looked all that inspiring. They were good game one, but they've kind of struggled through this first trip through the playoffs with this core. I'm going to go Trailblazers in six. I think when you have the experience of Lillard and McCollum, I think that's where that comes in. I think that helps. There's no one that I trust in this series in the last five minutes more than a guy like Lillard. So I expect him as this series, as the pressure continues to ramp up, if we're 2-2, 3-2, I expect him to be the guy to step up. Yeah, yeah. I'm all in on Damian Lillard right now. I didn't used to be all in on Damian Lillard. George can George can vouch for that, but at, he's been great in the playoffs. He can score. Um, he leads his team. You got a lot of contributors. I guess their number two guy, their main supporting cast would be McCollum. They've got a lot of guys who can put the ball in the bucket, and it seems like a team that's that's really motivated to win. And and not to say that um, the Nuggets aren't, but you know they're not a team that is used to being making making deep runs into the playoffs, at least with the squad that they have now. I love Jokic. I I really love what the Nuggets are doing. I like Jamal Murray. But I I think that it's the Trailblazers year. I'll take I'll take Blazers in seven though, not six. I think this one goes the distance. Yeah, I think just to kind of make that 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 last point is that at a certain point in the playoffs, I think experience does matter. I think we're seeing that a little bit with Milwaukee, where it's this core that hasn't quite been there yet. So, so they need to adjust. But luckily, they're just so overwhelmingly talented that I think we, that I think that they'll be able to do a better job than a team like, like the Nuggets, where I don't, they're not quite on that level. They're a very good, very solid team, but it's their first trip, might need one other piece. So it's a good experience for them. It's been a great season. They're going to learn a lot from these two rounds where I, where we both believe that that their playoff run will end. But at a certain point, Lillard and McCollum have just been here over and over again. At a certain point, I think that comes in handy. Um, so I guess as well, it's early May. We're now basically a month, a little over a month, especially since the season started really early, into the MLB season. There's been just a couple of, I guess, strange storylines that we didn't expect. I mean, the Red Sox have really struggled. The Yankees, everybody's been injured. Chris Davis started off, Seemed like he might never get a hit again, but then he started to hit well. So disappointing. That's so mean. <laughs> That's so mean. I'm I'm personally rooting for him so hard. Uh, he's like, outside of my team, the Cubs, he's my favorite player. And speaking of the Cubs, they got off to a really slow start too, but have really kind of made up ground since then. Congrats, George. Appreciate it. So Vlad Jr. came up. Uh, Tatis Jr. came up. So we have some fun prospects. So just initial thoughts on what the season is so far. I think it's been a fun season. There's a lot of players to be excited about right now. A lot of young players coming up, that kind of next generation. We've gotten to the point where Machado, Trout, Harper, Arenado, all those guys were kind of young and up and coming. Um, and they still are young and in their primes and, and, you know, the cream of the crop in the game right now. But they're not the young prospects that they once were. Um, they're kind of the, the current generation of stars. The generation of stars from a couple years ago is, you know, starting to fade a little bit. And now we've got this new crop of guys. Uh, and it's fun to watch. There's a lot of dudes to be excited about. So so that's really cool. 
you know, my Yankees are scrapping together wins with their double and triple A squads, which, which I'm really into. Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not sure what else. I, oh, I mean, Yelich and Bellinger getting off yeah. to just these monster starts has been fun to watch. Um, yeah. I think there's starting to be a couple stories that it's the same thing as last year where there's attendance issues where attendance is down again, even from last really? year where it was a, a big story and, Part of, I think again, part of the concern is just too many rebuilding teams where there's teams that you just know won't be good. I still don't necessarily know how to stop against that because it's just tricky because it's not something like the NBA or, or the NFL and prospects are a lot more, I don't know, tricky to project and stuff like that. Though teams still want like those high picks. I don't know. Is there like a future you think for like an MLB draft lottery type system? Hmm. It's a weird thought. I I don't know, George. I I haven't thought about that enough. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know. <laughs> I, I really don't know. Yeah, it was just an idea that like I was just mentioning like as I started talking, it just kind of came to me. Where it's just like I feel like there has to be something to be done because just all these rebuilding teams can be pretty boring and teams that are clearly just not trying to win and like save revenue and instead like I think like everyone kind of points to a team like the Pirates where they just haven't made the moves that you would want them to make when it looked like they're on the precipice of, of something. And even now with the Indians where they just didn't, where they just really held back, they didn't make a ton of moves and they just kind of probably have, they've probably taken like a little bit of a step back, but I don't really know how to fix all this. So it seems to me like we're probably headed to a strike to, to try to figure out some of this stuff, especially with the contracts. Could be, could be. I, I mean, the other thing is now there's not any uh, free agents on the market. So these teams that have, uh, you know, kind of been tanking, to get those prospects what you expect to see is something kind of like what the Padres did where they build up a strong farm system they have a, a strong core of young guys and then once they feel it's the time when they can contend again and and these young guys are gonna uh, really start to develop and contribute at the major league level then you go out and splash you add a piece like Machado um to really uh you know form the rest of your team around them but but now that's not the case right because all the free agents are off the market so maybe some of the teams George that you're talking about are really trying to stockpile the prospects um just need to to hope that that's enough um maybe without the free agent market so yeah there's been some interesting trends definitely in the non-baseball side of baseball kind of seeing where it's going it's been been different than the past few years and usually when you see that type of change it usually means that there's going to be changes in rules collective bargaining the the type of stuff that you're mentioning so it'll, it'll be interesting to see where the game goes in the next few years absolutely yeah all right so World Series pick, just always fun to do. My preseason pick was Houston-Milwaukee. But Milwaukee's, outside of Yelich, I mean, Yelich has just been ridiculous. Kind of a slow start. The pitching is a big concern. So, again, I try not to overreact. But if I had to just take into account what I've seen over the course of this first month, I'm probably going to go Astros-Dodgers. Rematch of 2017. I'm going to personally probably take... Astros and six. I think that's where I'm at right now. So if you had to make like a World Series pick right now, where would your head be at? Yankees over Dodgers and six. I mean, you see what the Yankees are doing now with, you know, their double and triple A guys and just one or two of their regular starters. Just imagine when uh, their normal guys come back um, and you're just adding all that production to a team that's already performing quite well. The pitching staff is looking real good. We're getting contributions from Guys like Domingo Herman, Paxson looks great. 
the bullpen can only get better at this point. Um, and, and now we know that if other guys uh, remain injured or come back and get injured again, we've got guys ready to fill in and fill in effectively. So I think it's a really deep squad. If the Yankees can kind of keep their momentum going until uh, they're fully healthy again, um, it's hard to see anyone slowing them down, especially with the Red Sox scuffling as they are. All right. So that's it for us. Alex, as always, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so exciting stuff happening. NBA playoffs continues. We'll be tracking it all through May and June. As always, thank you for listening and goodbye.